This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're doing a, a series on the Holy Spirit and His help. For those of you who just showed up, all of these are available uh, online, and so and they're free, and you can watch them. At the end of the service, we have some, I have some staff members over here, and if you'd like to know more about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, to have questions about the Holy Spirit, I've got a good group of staff folks over here, I'd be glad to help you out. So you can just slip over here after the service is over, and that'd be a great way to go. You ready to learn? Ready to go? All right, let's go. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your spirit, who is our wonderful teacher. And we thank you for his help tonight. Lord, we do love you. We trust you. We're glad you're our help. We look to you much more than we look to man. Man is limited. You are unlimited. So tonight, we ask that you would just even show us more. From your word, show us more about your plan for our life. Show us more about how good you are and what lies in front of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our text scripture has been John 14. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We talked a little bit last week about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Let me wrap that up. It's, the, it's the, what's often referred to as the gifts of the Spirit. This is, a, this is a weeks-long teaching in itself. And so maybe one day I'll come back and teach it. I won't, I won't start tonight, but let me, just, let me touch on a few more and we'll, we'll be done. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verses 7 through 11. But the manifestation, which is actually a better word than gift, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We talked about word of wisdom we talked about the word of knowledge. We talked about the gift of faith, which is special faith. Regular faith just comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. So anyone can have faith and your faith can grow. Special faith is just a, a faith that the Holy Spirit can, can impart to you. I talked about a friend of mine, Ben Gill, who's one of the missionaries that we support, who's seen more than two. I, I know two people who he's seen raised from the dead. That, that's, that, that's a manifestation of special faith. Special faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings. We talked about healings. Healing is more of a process. Someone has, prays for you for healing, and healing is a, a gradual getting better. And then to another working of miracles. Miracles are instantaneous. And some of you may have seen miracles. I have witnessed miracles before. I remember at Lakewood one Sunday night, uh, Pastor Osteen was praying, and he called some people up. He said, who's having back problems? And a guy came up. He's a young guy. He could barely walk. And he, and he came up. He was having horrible back problems. Pastor Osteen, no histronics, just laid hands on him and prayed. And the look on his face was priceless because it just, all of a sudden, he, he just, just brightened up. He began to thank God, and he bent over and stood back up and bent over and stood back up. Some people say, well, I, I bet he's faking. I don't believe that for a moment. I believe it was the real deal. They say, well, I believe the day of miracles has passed. Listen, there never was a day of miracles. There's a God of miracles, and he hasn't changed. And so 
Miracles are good. We, we, we could use a lot more of them. And so the, the miracles are instantaneous things that take place. So there's working of miracles, to another, and then he goes into another prophecy. This is not predicting the future. This is a simple gift of prophecy, which the Bible talks about is edification, exhortation, and comfort. This is gift speaking by inspiration of the Spirit. Oftentimes, it's not a prepared message. It is something that's spoken by inspiration. So that's a simple gift of prophecy to another discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is being able to see into the spirit realm. When someone sees angels, when someone sees demonic forces, demonic spirits, that's seeing into the spirit realm. If we could all see, and we can't, but if we all could see right now into the spirit realm, we're not alone in here. There are angels in here. And... Uh, I don't trust anything other than angels, but they're angels in here. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about angels, and, and I believe there is. Uh, do you believe in angels? I certainly do believe in angels. If you drive anywhere in Houston, you better believe in angels. <laughs> but there, I still think in heaven I would love to see some of the near misses that we experienced because our angels got involved. I had almost had a wreck one night when I was, I was driving in my car, did something. I was 19 years old. My car did something on the road that, that no good driver could ever do. And I remember just thinking, dear Lord, an angel just spared my, spared my life. Thank God for angel. Discerning of spirits is the ability to see in, in where you can actually see them. It's not discernment. People say, I have the gift of discernment. There, there is no gift of discernment. There's a manifestation of the discerning of spirits. Often people who say they have the gift of discernment or just have the gift of suspicion. Um, but it's, it's, that's seeing into the spirit. Uh, rolling right along, different kinds of tongues. These are tongues that are used usually in a public assembly. They give a message. They're, they're, these kind of tongues have to be interpreted. And then there's the interpretation of tongues. So someone could give a, a, a message in tongue and you go, what in the world was that? And then someone would stand up and interpret what was said. Not translate, interpret what was just said. And then one in the self-same spirit works all these things. I'll have to do a teaching sometime on the, on the manifestation of the spirit and go back in and show you from the scriptures where these are all in scripture so you can prove it out from there. But just right now, just look it up for yourself. But these are good. Next one, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. He helps us pray. Boy, this is one of the big ones. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us, which groanings which cannot be uttered. That actually, if you look that up in the Greek, that means cannot be uttered in articulate speech. The Spirit helps in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. This is probably one of the biggest, to me personally, uh, and joy, and we've talked about it, probably one of the biggest benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being able to pray beyond our understanding. Because there's a lot of times we don't know. We're, we're in a church with thousands of people. I don't know all of you. I don't know all of your situation, but thank God the Holy Spirit does. And so when we're praying, we depend on him to help us pray. And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight as we talk about praying in other tongues, but it is a huge benefit. And I'll go into that in a little bit more detail, but when the Holy Spirit helps you pray through something, I can pray for you. I don't know your, all your situation, but then he knows everything and the future. What a wonderful way to pray. 
that's honestly praying in the Spirit is how this church formed and how it started. Praying in the Spirit, and it dropped in our hearts. We were had to have a church, and then it dropped in my heart again. We're to have it in Conroe. Guys, listen, we need all the help we can get from the Holy Spirit. And so if, if he's making help available, I know sometimes people go, well, I don't want that. I, I want all the help I can get. I need all the power I can get. And so he is huge in helping with this, but helping us pray and then praying with his help helps build us up. Jude 20, Jude 20 says, but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, we're going to discuss that in more detail. It is a, it is a wonderful, wonderful benefit. Let me shift gears for a little bit, and I want to talk tonight about Jesus' instructions to his followers concerning the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus and, and, the, and the events that led to the Holy Spirit being in the earth and, and the events of why he's here and how Jesus talked to his, his followers. So this is really good. This is after the resurrection. Jesus told them to go into all the world, but first he said, you need to wait. Acts, the first chapter, verses 4 and 5. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That word baptized means to be fully covered. It means to be immersed. Great example is water baptism. When we water baptize, we, I know some denominations sprinkle and have a problem with that. We like, we like to do it by full immersion. Immersion means all of you is going to get wet. So we, we dunk you and bring you, you back up. It's, we're baptized into Christ. It's a full immersion. So being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a great example. This was not the first time that being baptized in the Holy Spirit was mentioned. Luke, third chapter. John the Baptist is speaking. John answered and said to them, I indeed baptize you with water. Remember, John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, and he was baptizing with water. Everybody would come to him, and he would baptize them. He said, I baptize you with water. He said, one mightier than I is coming. He was referring to Jesus, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he said, I, I can do it with water. He's going he's to take it up a notch. He's going to do it. Now, here's what's, what's interesting. This is one of the very first times you tell that Jesus told his disciples to wait, to wait for the promise. You ever noticed that we never tell someone to wait on salvation? We never tell, hey, you need to wait on salvation. If someone comes and said, you know, I've been away from God, and I realize that uh, I've never made him my Lord and Savior. You know, every, every week we, we, we pray that prayer. Some of, you have, some of you have memorized that prayer. You don't even know you memorized it. But you start praying it. You're like, I know this. Well, we never tell somebody, if someone came up to the front and said, you know what? I know I need, I need the Lord in my life. We don't look and go, well, you need to wait. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't tell them to wait because it, how do you know, it's available right now. And all they got to do is say, now listen, 70, 80 years ago, People used to wait in some denominations. They would wait for salvation. They would pray and say, I'm trying to talk the Lord into saving me. You don't need to talk him into that. He's already provided for that. All we have to do is receive it. Thank God for the teaching that we have available now. So now someone walked in the door and they said, man, uh, I need Jesus. If I, if I looked at them and say, well, brother, you need to wait. We'll see if the Lord wants to save you. I, I really don't know. If you overheard that, when that person left, you'd say, come here, 
what he's been smoking? <laughs> but you don't have to wait. You can receive Jesus right now. You don't have to ask the Lord to do anything. I mean, no, he's already done that. Some of you are praying for your saved relative, for your unsaved relatives. Stop asking the Lord to save them. He already has. Ask the Lord to send laborers across their path who can share with them and reach their hearts. Does that make sense? Some people are just begging, oh, Lord, save, save my, my brother. Lord, save my brother. Lord, if you have to break him down, Lord, break him down. Don't pray break the pastor down. I can just tell you that. If you're praying it for your brother, do not pray that for me. And the Lord's not in the breaking down business to begin with. Some people get in a broken down state because they walked off the path. And you walk off, listen, if I'm driving to Dallas and if I drive in the median the whole way, chances are I'm going to hit something. <laughs> That's another profound truth I just wanted to share with you tonight. But the idea is the Lord's not breaking. What happens is people often they get into a state where they don't know what to do and then they cry out. It wasn't the Lord breaking them down. Right? The Lord didn't have to break anybody down. Sometimes when people get into a broke and a broken state, and, I, and listen, if you came tonight or you're watching online and you're just like, I'm in that broken state, man, there's no condemnation. The good news is, thank God you don't have to stay that way. You, you can come out of that. That's the good news. But, here's, but it wasn't the Lord breaking you down. It was the Lord sending someone to help you. And the Lord sending you, that's why you tuned in tonight. That's why you're here. Because the Lord, he, he's trying to, to win you in, not break you down. So this is the only time that Jesus told them to wait for something. He said, wait for the promise. Well, they begin to ask him questions like, Lord, are you, you going to restore the kingdom? Listen to what he said. Verse Acts 8, 1, 1, 8, sorry. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the end of the earth. Jesus encouraged the closest followers to him to receive this promise of his power. That word power means a lot of what you think it means. Might, strength, and ability. He said, empowered to be a witness of the fact that Jesus is alive and Lord. I think it's so fascinating that these are, these are the people that followed Jesus for years. These are the people that followed him, some of them very closely. Some of them were in his inner circle. And he told them, he said, I need you to go, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I need you to do that. But he said, but wait. Before you go, you need some power. You need the ability to be able to do that. I think too much of the time, we put way too much emphasis on people. We look at people and we look at, at people, maybe like a, a Billy Graham or someone who's, who's an amazing Christian. And we're like, oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing. I, the, more I, the older I get and the more I grow, I don't think we're so amazing. I think God's real amazing and he uses us. And the more we let him use us, the more amazing the results are. But it's people. The fact that we just read that psalm tonight, don't put your trust in people. People can let you down. God's the one who's doing some amazing things. And he told his disciples, he told the guys who walked with him, guys, I need you to wait. Don't you leave Jerusalem until, you have, until you've received this power. 
from on high until you've received the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm thinking, if John and James and Peter needed power, Alan needs power. You need power. We all need power. He said, I don't want any power. Okay, well, let me get ask you a question. If you have the option, if someone said, I'm, I'm going to buy you a car, free. Yeah, that's a woo. <laughs> said, now, you have an option here. You can, you can have a four-cylinder, or you can have an eight-cylinder. Let me talk to the guys just for a second. Guys, let me talk to you. Because I know some of you ladies are going to go, well, I'm on a budget, and four cylinders is going to be a lot better on gas. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you just got a free car. You don't forget your budget, all right? <laughs> Guys, four or eight? eight? Thank you very much. Because eight has more That's what I'm talking about. I drove into Houston, Texas in 1981. I was driving a Plymouth Reliant K car. Anybody remember the Plymouth Reliant K car? It had 110 squirrels underneath that hood. It was the most underpowered vehicle I have ever been in in my life. When I got on the freeway to get to freeway speed, I would have to cut the air conditioner off and floor it so I could get up to freeway speed. Sweating like a dog in Houston weather, flooring it just so, man, I made a decision right then. One day when I can afford it, I'm going to have a car that has some If we need it for a car, don't we need it in our life? If it works for a car, I will never have another K car again. Talk about a dog car. Lee Iacocca, you hurt me, brother. I didn't learn to be led. I've been led by the Spirit. I wouldn't have bought that car. <laughs> oh, you'll love this. So we take it to Bible school. It dies on us in Bible school. We bring it back. We sold it. I got a job with a company, and, and uh, I told Joy, I said, yeah, it comes with a company car. And so I went out to see my new company car. It, w it was an uglier Reliant <laughs> I, told, I called Joy up. I said, you are not going to believe what they... She went, no, no, not another one. I said, yeah, but this time when it breaks down, it's someone else's nickel. They get to pay for it. Hallelujah. What were we talking about? We were talking about power, weren't we? All right. We need... Jesus said, you need power. And so he was saying that the Holy Spirit would be that. Here's when that promise was fulfilled. Acts, the second chapter. Acts the second chapter when the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, by the way, was a was not and that was not Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish feast day. Happens 50 days after uh, Passover. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pentecost was the Jewish feast day. The Holy Spirit, in, in the Old Testament, a great type of it, the Holy Spirit, when they dedicated the temple, the Holy Spirit filled the temple with his presence to the point that the priest couldn't even go in. Now the Holy Spirit doesn't feel, he doesn't feel physical temples. He feels human temples. We become, the Bible says, the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. And he's able to fill us. The people begin to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. But another evidence of that power was Peter then spoke to these gathered crowds. There's about 5,000 men there. He quoted scripture and then challenged them to repent. Now this is, what's amazing is, this is Peter who just a few weeks before, maybe three or so months before, Peter was the one that when Jesus was being arrested, remember that little uh, servant girl backed Peter down. When she looked at Peter, she said, weren't you the one? Aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter's like, no. She said, I know, you, uh, I know you're one of his disciples. Your, your speech gives you away. And, and Peter, remember, he denied Jesus three times. He backed down because a little servant girl called him out. And Peter backed down. Felt horrible about it. Now this same Peter, out in the street, there's 5,000 Jews all around there, or more than that. And Peter begins to preach to him. Listen to what he says in Acts, Acts 2, 37 and 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, he, just, he preached the gospel to him, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice there's two things taking place. Repent, he said, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. When you and I made Jesus the Christ, the Lord and Savior of our life, our sins were completely forgiven. The Bible said in 1 Peter 2.24, he said, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins would live under righteousness. So our sins were taken and put on Jesus. The Bible said he nailed everything that was against us. God nailed it to the cross. So all the punishment for our sins was on Jesus. So Peter stands up in front of all these Jews. There's thousands of them out there. And with a loud voice, he's not backing down now. Why? He just got filled with power. And now he stands up and says, all you guys need to repent. Hello. Probably not too politically correct. You need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In other words, you need to get born again. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he began to, he ministered it as two different things. You got to receive Jesus, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But that's, an, remember, gifts are options. You have to receive it. Salvation is a gift. You realize that. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift. But if it's a gift that if you want it, salvation is available. And if the Holy Spirit is... God's still baptizing. Jesus is still baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that scares me. I, I, I don't want that. It's not going to happen to you. You have to ask. You have to receive a gift. You with me on that? Sometimes people go, well, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't want that. Listen, you're not going to be walking down the street and all of a sudden you fall over and start speaking in tongues. That's not going to happen. But if you're hungry for it, it's available to you. It's a gift. It happened there. And then you say, well, that was, that was on the day of Pentecost. Did it ever happen again? Yeah, it did. Sure did. Because it happened to the Samaritans. Now, this was a, a big surprise. So let me run through this real quick. The Samaritans, if you remember, the Samaritans were, were the ones that uh, uh, the Jews couldn't stand. They were half Jewish. They didn't agree religiously. They had all these problems. And... Uh, Philip went down and preached Christ to them. Let's read Acts 8. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Preached who? Christ. Verse 12 said, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God 
and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon, Simon was a sorcerer who had been scaring these people for years. Then Simon himself also believed when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. The church began to scatter. <laughs> the Lord told them, so you need to go all, all the world. They didn't want to go into all the world. They actually saw some persecution and then they scattered. When they scattered, Philip went to Samaria. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. The Jews did not think Samaritans could get saved. And Philip preached Jesus. He didn't know any better. He's an evangelist. He goes to, he's called Philip the Evangelist. If you ever listen to evangelists, they don't, they don't care anything about anything. They just tell stories and win people to Jesus. Joe McGee's an evangelist. You know who Joe McGee is? Joe's an evangelist. Joe tells stories. In fact, he can't repeat the same sermon twice. And every time he comes, people get saved. He'll come back again. Bring your lost friends. But Philip goes down, he preaches Jesus to them. The Bible said they, they, when they heard Philip, they received it. And they got baptized. How many of you think, man, they have revival breakout in Samaria. People are getting saved. If they're receiving what's being preached and being baptized, you think salvation just came to these folks? Absolutely. They preached, he preached Christ to them. That's what evangelists do. They preach Jesus. So he went down there and preached Jesus. They jumped all over it. They started getting baptized. There were miracles taking place. But look what happens next. Acts 10, we'll go to verse, excuse me, Acts 8, 14 through 19. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now hold up. Why did they send Peter and John? They heard that, they heard Samaria had received the word of God. How many of you believe the Samaritans were saved? They were saved. Okay, let's look at this. When the apostles heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Would we give an altar call, if we do after every service, do we talk to people about getting saved or receiving the Holy Spirit? That wasn't a trick question. We talked to them about getting saved. Right? We do it. At, that's, that's what the yes prayer is, right? If you don't know that you're, that you're right with the Lord, if, you don't, if you've been away from him and you want to come back, I know I can't save myself. I know I need a savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that God raised you from the dead. You with me? Right now, I what? Confess you. That's my Lord say. Doesn't the Bible say if we, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we're saved? We do that every week. Some of you prayed that prayer. That's how you got saved in here. You didn't have to walk an aisle. You didn't have to have a lightning bolt hit you. You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. You got saved. Happens every week. Every week, people are getting saved and coming back to the Lord. We don't talk to them about receiving the Holy Spirit. We talk to them about getting saved. Samaria had gotten saved. But they sent Peter and John to them when they'd come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. That's the Holy Spirit upon. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? You see it's two different things? It's first, they got baptized in the name of Jesus. They're like, whoo, they're saved. 
And they came back and they, they told the apostles, guys, dude, oh man, Samaria. Samaria's blowing up. People are getting saved left and right. It is so awesome. They're confessing their sins. They're getting saved. We got revival going down there. And one of the apostles said, did they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit yet? And, and for, uh, no. Well, we're going to send Peter and John. We're going to send a committee down. We're going to send Peter and John. Peter and John, you go down there. To, what, to check and see if they're saved? No, no, no. You go down there and pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Right? Because yet he had fallen upon. We don't use that phrase. When people come in and get saved, we don't go, now, Jesus is going to fall on you. We don't use that. But yet the Holy Spirit, it's the baptism, it's an immersion. It's two things. Listen, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. Don't ever let anyone tell you, and I've heard Pentecostal people say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Very wrong. Wrong. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Again, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit living in you and the Holy Spirit being upon you. Anybody got any water? Where's my water? And like right, even my mother said, Alan, if it had been a snake, it had bit you. All right. Water? Where's that water now? Where's it now? Two different things. Stay tuned. <laughs> Next week, we'll go into this a lot further. <laughs> I, bow your heads. Now, we're not going to pray that Jesus falls on somebody, but right now... If you came this evening and you said, Alan, I don't know that I even have a relationship with the Lord or I've been away from him and I know in my heart I need to come back, I, I, I would like your prayers. Would you pray for me? We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front, but if that's you that I'm talking to and you say, Alan, that's me, would you guys pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just real quick across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you didn't lift your hand and you really wanted to, you can still get in on this prayer. Receiving Jesus is so simple. We believe in our hearts and we confess it with our mouths. And we're going to pray with you as a church family. We're going to pray all pray this out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, who've stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light, and for those who've come back home. The most important thing they'll ever do, and we rejoice with them. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the salvation that's there in Jesus. Ask that you would strengthen them and bless them. In Jesus' name, Father, and for those who are here, who are listening, thank you for your gifts, for the benefits that we have in you. 
for the power that's available in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.